It was in my pursuit of wholeness and and really uh, relying on Him to be my source and to be my identity that I recognized that it was through brokenness that we get to real strength. You know, sometimes it's counterintuitive, but to go through the pain and to go through the brokenness to acquire that level of strength is very much well worth it. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we visit with Maria Jose Tennyson, the Vice President of Brand and Production for Sight and Sound Theaters. The purpose of their productions are to present the gospel of Jesus Christ and sow the Word of God into the lives of those who attend their shows by visualizing and dramatizing the scriptures through inspirational productions. Maria shares a little bit about her life as the child of immigrants and the early years of her career. My name is Maria Jose Tennyson, and uh, I am the Vice President of Brand and Show Production at Sight & Sound Theaters. I am responsible for the teams that actually work on the development of the productions in relation to the design, uh, engineering, uh, the construction of the show, so all the magic that happens to get the show on the stage. I was born in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And uh, my parents immigrated to the States when I was fairly young, uh, so I don't have a whole lot of recollection of my life in Argentina. I grew up in uh, a suburb of Los Angeles, and uh, to parents who were very courageous and (laughs) very driven, but um, uh, the fact that they moved from a country without understanding the language and having to give up, you know, their life, everything they knew, and really start starting over, One of the reasons that they left uh, Argentina was uh, at the beginning of the Dirty War in the 70s, the military had taken over the government and life felt uncertain at best. And typical immigrant story, they really believed that uh, they could provide for a better life for their daughters in the United States. When we first came to the States, uh, resources were tight, and we lived in a very small apartment. I shared a room with my grandmother. Um, She came with us, and my father worked several jobs in order to put food on the table. And I remember a time where my my mom went to uh, the bins behind the supermarkets to look for food. And I remember her falling into it, and I remember dying laughing. But I was I was little, so I didn't understand the context of what was happening, but she laughed as well, you know? So I think they protected us from the reality of what was really occurring for them. In some ways, it provided a certain amount of just resiliency and, and also sent a very clear message around um, how we dealt with, with pain, you know. Um, there was a little bit of a, a lack of acknowledgement as well. It's like, you know what, we move on. We, we pick ourselves up from, from our bootstraps and we're, you know, we're tough people and we, we keep going. And that was very much both of them. They were, they were very, they were very loving. They were very playful with us, but they were tough people. And so there wasn't a whole lot of room uh, to fail. My parents believed strongly in uh, uh, the power of education and certainly the gift that we had received as being part of this country. And I just remember my parents saying to me from uh, just as a young, uh, very young child, 
it doesn't matter that you speak that don't speak English and it doesn't matter that you don't have the things that maybe other people around you do all that matters is that you work really hard because in this country um, it can happen which was very different from what they had experienced in their own uh, native home so I always felt that education was uh, a high priority for us uh, thankfully I received a scholarship and I went to um, to school uh, I couldn't not work in order to help pay I continue to help uh, uh, the household and also all you know books and things like that so I landed a job in a, an advertising agency it was a small uh, Hispanic agency so it was in language um, we worked on high-profile accounts uh, it was a got mail campaign in Spanish for the California fluid mail processor board and I got a lot of experience early on uh, on high-profile brands and then after that, that just opened the door for uh, me to continue a career uh, with high-profile brands and high-exposure um, brands. So there was definitely a certain amount of establishing of how I was doing life, even early on, like working lots of hours traveling extensively um, from the very beginning. And so in my 20s, uh, I found myself to be completely about uh, the, the work. As I got into my career and I found myself in such a competitive environment and uh, making those types of choices and that resiliency with no acknowledgement of um, a certain amount of reality, that caught up to me. And at, uh, my, in my early 20s, I started experiencing panic attacks. And um, the first one came in the, during the middle of a, of a presentation with some clients. Uh, I was about to go on and all of a sudden I couldn't even speak. And um, I just felt my heart racing and my palms were sweating and everything in my being wanted uh, to get me out of that room. And I couldn't understand that. I, I just, I thought something was physically wrong with me. I managed to get through that presentation, but after that, after that initial panic attack, um, others came and it became uh, a, a recurring uh, thing. And it also, uh, I began to uh, allow fear to take root in my heart in a way that uh, shrank my world. So I would avoid certain situations or I would avoid um, certain opportunities, and which is very difficult to do when you're in a highly competitive environment that is requesting all of you. When I felt like I was dying in that season, no one noticed, not even the people that I was spending most of my time with. And so I started to really explore this, this thing that was happening to me. Then one day I remember um, driving uh, to work and listening to the radio and there was a spot on the radio with a woman describing every single symptom that I had ex I was experiencing and that's when she called it anxiety disorder and and I have to say like I had heard of anxiety disorder I had heard of depression I had heard of those types of behavioral health things but the reality was that there was no room for that in my life because I character I categorized that as that was for weak people <laughs> and I was not weak so my parents weren't weak there was no um, no ex no no example of what you know uh, dealing with you know we weak, quote weakness or brokenness uh, would have looked like 
And so I didn't know what to do with it when I found myself in that in that situation. But that's when, that's when the Lord showed up. When I look back on it now, because it was so all about my career, my relationship with Christ was not the first thing. You know, it was not. I, I was a, a I was a Christ follower. I was a Christian by label. Uh, Christ did not actually become real to me until my mid twenties. I walked through my twenties and my early thirties um, from from with with the Lord in from a place of you know healing and and uh, allowing Him to begin to manifest Himself in my life and heal. Um, you know, some of those wounds that were there that I had never dealt with and and really begin showing me that that uh, pain and brokenness isn't a deficit, but it's it's where everything comes from, you know, like it's the the source of strength. And recognizing that and walking through that, you know, when you break a bone, the place where it heals is, is stronger. You know, there's there's so many things that indicate that that's 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 his process. So you know, spiritually, um, in our core, he's gonna he, he's gonna use that brokenness uh, to 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 show us, you know, how he can become our strength. When Maria began to recognize her brokenness, a season of healing began, which led her to a new outlook and eventually to a new career at Sight and Sound Theaters. I met a recruiter that they were uh, using for some organizational restructure through a personal connection, and she filed me away in in the back of her of her mental Rolodex. And when the opportunity for this, you know, for a marketing person came up at Sight and Sound, she reached out to me, and I was like, "Well, that's interesting." And but thanks, but no thanks. You know, I turned her down. And she approached me a second time. And I, I checked out Sight and Sound. There were a lot of things that were interesting to me. I loved theater. I actually had a, a theater emphasis in college. Um, theater had always been a passion for me, you know, even as a child, you know, writing plays and things like that. But, um, but, and, and to be a Christian theater, you know, that was really interesting. And the scope that Sight and Sound was um, telling these stories and was just fascinating but not what I considered to be the path that was best for me, you know, what I had chosen for myself. And it wasn't aligned with my, quote, goals. So I turned her down a second time. And she, uh, the third time, she sent this really long uh, dissertation of why she felt that it would be a good fit for me, not just as a career move. Uh, she was looking at it less of a, as a career move, but more as a, um, a whole person move. I just remember being impacted by what she wrote, but I turned her down a third time. And then weeks went by, and I moved on with life. And uh, I remember saying to my husband vividly, it was weeks after, I said to him, why can't I stop thinking about this job in the middle of a cornfield in central Pennsylvania? And he was like, you know, why, why don't we pray about it and just take a closer look? And so I called the recruiter up that day and I said, hey, you know, is it too late to throw my hat in the ring? And um, she was like, well, I, we're about to, we're, we're finalizing the interview process, but let me catch you up. And so she got me in, you know, we traveled out here for a weekend of interviews. I remember like walking through the shops and seeing everyone's like smiling faces and it made no sense. Like I'm standing out in the, in the parking lot and I'm watching these buses come in and I had been being given access to their budgets and some of the things that they were doing in there. At that point, we were bringing in 600,000 people um, into, in, you know, as in attendance per year. 
And I remember like going around to, into the shops and uh, looking at the welders and people, all these people were making these crazy sets and everybody was so friendly. And there were, you know, 400 employees that were relying for their livelihood on this place in the middle of a cornfield. And I just remember in that very moment, regardless of how impressive my resume was and all of these fancy brands that I had had an opportunity to touch and to work on, I felt very unqualified because I could tell that this was bigger than just one person and it was not in the natural. And so right then and there, I kind of thought, you know what, Lord, if you want me to be part of this, um, I'll, I'll follow. This place has been a gift. The thing that is most compelling about being here is that uh, everything that this organization does is to share the gospel and to tell these stories that um, are not ours, but we get the privilege of telling them in a way that hopefully is bringing them to life uh, in a manner that people haven't thought about before. You know, these Bible stories that are... Um, are just uh, inspirational and anointed and they have the power to change people's lives and that's what we believe in like we're completely sold out to the idea that by telling these stories in the way that we tell them we can invite people to get to know the bible and that's just humbling to us that anything that we uh, can do is driving people to really delve into the scriptures more and even just see, you know, Christ in a refreshed uh, way. We are an entertainment organization uh, and we, you know, we're, we're telling these stories in a way that provides uh, entertainment. I mean, clearly with more, we, our, our purpose is much greater than that. So um, throughout our design process, we really challenge each other to not create spectacle for the, spe the, the, the sake of spectacle. And so we really feel that um, we're called uh, to bring these stories in a way that's going to bring truth and, and to really showcase um, the truth of the word, the truth of the gospel, and the complete potential and freedom that comes with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Marie realizes that the work she does goes beyond the lights and massive production of sights and sounds shows, but reaches into the hearts of each audience member who may be hungry for hope and encouragement. She is committed to helping people know the truths of the Bible, and she herself seeks truth daily through Scripture and through the pages of Jesus Calling. A friend actually gave me my first book uh, years ago, and I just remember, you know, just the, the whole concept of um, the, you know, the, the, the posture of Jesus calling was just so moving to me. We tend to compartmentalize Jesus, <laughs> and I think, you know, we put him over here and we, that ongoing reliance that I'm, as I get older, I'm trying to cultivate more of that partnership, that, that, um, just that expectation about, you know, having his voice be heard so loudly in my day to day, more loudly that I've uh, given him credit for, um, and, and the devotional helped me see scripture um, from, you know, that point of view and, and from that first person perspective. But I will say that even now, um, 
Jesus Calling, uh, we have a, a children's devotional that we use every day. Um, and f- as a mom, that has been even, uh, even, in- even more incredible because I see how my children resonate, you know, with that perspective. We're able to have conversations around scripture and, um, you know, values and, you know, what the, the Lord's love does and the protection and His perspective around, you know, bringing our troubles to Him. We use it uh, daily, and and my kids will bring it. You know, they'll be like, "Mom, we forgot to do devotions today." You know, so they'll bring it over, and they bring the Jesus Calling book. So it's just been a you know, it's been a part of of, of my life personally. You know, as as a woman, but also now um, of my you know children's life, and it's been really impactful. I've honestly, in this season, I've um, kind of surrendered a little bit of my agenda around recharging, and I just have given it to the Lord. And every morning, it's kind of like, listen, Lord, like, you know what I need to do today, and you know the things that I need to be fully present for, and I want to partner with you and being able to do that well. So refresh me, you know, if, if I'm too tired, if I'm too distracted, you know, bring, give me what I need to be able to represent you well in this moment. From someone who was very much about the, the trophy, the medal, the title, the certificate, the gold star, you know, I lived for getting that gold star. I have clarity on who I live for and I have an audience of one. And so every decision that I make is to please him. Sight and Sound Theater's production of Jonah on Stage is in theaters for a one-night event, May 2, 2017. For more information, visit JonahOnStageMovie.com or to see a live show in Branson, Missouri or Lancaster, Pennsylvania, visit the Sight and Sound website for more information at Sight-Sound.com. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we visit with Ernie Johnson Jr., a three-time Sports Emmy Award winner and popular host of TNT's Inside the NBA. Ernie discusses his rise to the top of sports broadcasting, from battling cancer to raising six children with his wife, Cheryl, including a special needs child adopted from Romania. Here's where we are. He said, you decided in December of 97 to trust God with your life. I said, right. He said, so what's that trust look like right now? He said, does it look like trust, question mark, trust if, trust, comma? Does it look like, look, God, I'll trust you if this next test about this non-Hodgkin's lymphoma comes back the way you want it to? He says, or does it look like this? Trust God. Period. And that's where we landed the plane. Today's featured passage comes from the July 13th entry of the Jesus Calling audiobook. I want you to experience the riches of your salvation, the joy of being loved constantly and perfectly. You make a practice of judging yourself based on how you look or behave or feel. If you like what you see in the mirror, you feel a bit more worthy of my love. When things are going smoothly and your performance seems adequate, you find it easier to believe you are my beloved child. When you feel discouraged, you tend to look inward so you can correct whatever is wrong. Instead of trying to fix yourself, fix your gaze on me, the lover of your soul. Rather than using your energy to judge yourself, 
redirect it to praising me. Remember that I see you clothed in my righteousness, radiant in my perfect love. Hear more great stories about the impact Jesus Calling is having all over the world. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling podcast on iTunes. We value your reviews and comments so we can reach even more people with the message of Jesus Calling. And if you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.